Hey everybody, I'm here with Ellie Escobar. He's in Rockaway. I am, we're both by the ocean. I'm by Mexican Ocean, he's by Rockaway Ocean. I have a great story for you about Rockaway, specifically about Rockaway and you. Okay. To tell <laughs> after you tell me about, so how's, how, so you were in the village and now you're in Rockaway. So what's, yeah. what's, what have you been feeling? Um, we try, I have a family, you know, I have two kids. My daughter is only a year, and um, and my son is uh, four and a half. And we love living in the village, but our apartment's tiny. And it's one of those things where it's like, you know, I've always sort of, I've always sort of thought, you know, unless you can afford a really big apartment, you you live in, in New York City, not necessarily for for your inside space you live there for what's outside your door so living in a small apartment we all do it i mean there's so many people live in small apartments and it's kind of like just kind of part of the whole thing and it doesn't really matter because you you leave you leave in the morning and you you maybe stop home later for for dinner or a nap and then you go out (laughs) you know (laughs) there's nothing like coming home at five in the morning from a DJ set five minutes away from your house and just going right to bed. It's awesome. Right. Exactly. That's, that's true. Um, but then all of a sudden you can't go outside. Right. And then what's the point? And a small apartment with, uh, two kids and it's pretty tough. So, um, you know, we're lucky to have this uh, as an option. It's awesome. Yeah. And and you're right by the beach. So you got nature a little bit and like, yeah, air. I don't know if it's nature. I mean, the beach is nature, sure. obviously. But yeah, I mean, it's still, we're in New York City. I mean, we're in Queens. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. It's, it's cool. Um, and we have a porch and a garden. And okay. so, yeah. I mean, yo, that alone right there, just having that amount of nature that you can like step outside, not like go yeah. downstairs through your on sidewalk like that's what most people's reality is right now you know i mean i'm sure your place in village is exactly what it is like yeah that is tough yeah the appeal is just being able to go outside without too much paranoia yeah that's Uh, funny i didn't know you were in rockaway because okay so this is okay this was my first instagram post like i made one instagram post that was like starting my Instagram, you know, just like I took a random photograph. My first, like, I'm going to take a picture and capture a moment and talk about it on this application on my phone was I was at Tiki Disco. This was one of the Roberta's backyard days. This is probably 2013, I'm guessing, 2014. Um, And they were early, you know, they were, they were Sundays and they wrapped at like, you know, eight o'clock, like dinner time, right? Like yeah. something like that. So we, we were like still going, you know, we were like ready for something. And I was with my friend and she's this like pretty tall blonde girl. And we decide to go to Rockaway beach. And by this time it's like 1am because yeah. we've now been like wandering Bushwick bars and we're very drunk and this is pre-Uber. So we get like a, you know, a, a car service, like a taxi wouldn't take us. And we were like, fuck it. We want to go, like, let's go swimming in Rockaway beach. So we like paid $50 to, you know, 
some car service that I don't even, I, apparently somehow one of us had a car service number back in this yeah, yeah, yeah. Hawaii. <laughs> but, uh, and we go out to Rockaway beach and we go, we go swimming at like, you know, one thirty in the morning and we're like ducking when the cops are coming by, we're like going underwater, you know, it was like that. Yeah. And this is my friend who's like five foot 10 skinny blonde, pretty person. And afterwards we're walking she's in a bra i'm in you know like shorts or whatever and we're carrying our clothes and we walk on the boardwalk and there's five black kids like smoking weed and she just like she freaks out and she's like we're gonna die this is it this is we're gonna we're gonna die and i and i said i was like relax like <laughs> it's fine <laughs> like just, just fucking relax and I go over and I talk to them and I just said what's up like normal she was terrified I'm not identifying her be on purpose because it was it was a moment of racism <laughs> she's not from New York she's from Connecticut uh -huh. uh, but like white Connecticut like Greenwich like right. like if it wasn't Greenwich it was like one of those places uh -huh. um, and uh, and yo these guys were so cool like we ended up taking over some bar nearby and I DJed with, with these guys. They were, they were like a rap group and I've been friends with them since like they've come to, we had the best night and I like commemorated it. I was like, yo, I just got this new app. Like uh, let's take a picture. And we took a picture on Rockaway beach. And that's like, if you go back all the way through my thread post Tiki disco, drunken Rockaway beach night and it was a wonderful night and that was like I love thinking of that as like this full New York City experience of like the beauty and livelihood and diversity of the just the life that we have yeah it, it's, it's awesome and yeah. we used to do tiki parties at, at in the Rockaways yeah yeah we did um just for two two summers and then Sandy happened. Right. And everything got shut down. We made it, well, I don't think we ever did one again after that. Yeah. I, I think Sandy kind of, uh, kind of put the, like, so there was like, Rockaways was kind of like popping all, all of a sudden. And I think Sandy kind of put it to a halt. Yeah, like uh, some of the output guys had like a space out there that they were developing and that right. was just done. Yeah. 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 Yep. It's it I mean, Rockaways like, is so cool. Well, yeah, the one we did, the tiki discos we did in the Rockaways were like, like legendary. Yeah. Yeah. They were. They were amazing. Well, you can get people. You have that. You're one of the few who can get people wherever, and you know you're trusted. You don't think I so? I think so. I don't know. I remember <laughs> thinking kind of like, you know, when we when we came up with the idea to do that sort of being nervous i think we 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 uh we provided buses oh yeah, wow we did now that i'm thinking about it we provided i even took the bus yeah, yeah. so we we actually provided buses for people two buses to dr bring them all the way up and then pick smart. them up bring them home wow back to, back to bushwick yeah that's cool it seems like a, a lifetime ago but um, i mean but, i yeah. i'm a manhattan kid so I, I was born, I'm, I'm, my family's Brooklyn. I'm oh. four generations Brooklyn on my dad's side, like South, like Bensonhurst, Bay Ridge. And my mom's side is like Queens and Bronx. 
I was born in, I'm first generation Manhattan though. So when I started DJing my, you know, my nightlife life was Manhattan kids. And when I started throwing things in, you know, in Bushwick before it was like way before it was mainstream, it was, you know, getting people to come out there yeah. was, was nuts sometimes, you know, it was, yeah. it was a commitment, even just Bushwick, not even Rockaway, you know, Bushwick is now we think about it as like, Oh yeah, cool. I'll come to Bushwick for lunch. But it, when you're talking 20, 2013, you know, even then, and that's not that long ago, that was a major commitment for people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, gentrification is, is swift and brutal. Oh, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it hasn't taken very long. And, and, and uh, you know, I, for whatever, whatever the, the many bad parts of gentrification are, the, the nightlife aspects of, of, uh, of, you know, just sort of like whatever it is that, that forced people to move out into, into Brooklyn to look for, spaces to to do parties and open clubs it's been you can't deny it sort of re revitalized the the nightlife in new york you know and so i'm thankful for that so tell me get, go into that a little bit because like you know there was in in i guess if we're talking you know 2013 ish it's pop-ups and it's like you know negotiating with an owner directly for a space stuff like that and now you're talking about like, I have a residency at this place and I'm getting, you know, you have like more established nights. So what's that been like for you? Um, it's been a really long fucking, you know, trip to, to get to that place. Um, and, and, I, and I, I don't necessarily think that I ever had that, had, had it as a goal you know, I always wanted to be able to DJ the best stuff, parties I could DJ. Um, so I, when I started uh, professionally, and uh, I started professionally in like 1997, um, I kind of just took whatever work I could get. Sure. Um, some of it was great. Some of it was more like, this is just what I do on Saturdays. And But uh, every, if any DJ denies that, that's absurd. Like <laughs> if any DJ says that you know i never played a gig that i didn't know you when right you're, like you're taking i yeah. your ratio is important you know you want to make sure you keep your ratio solid but no yeah. man you're you're taking gigs to get yourself out there and to pay you know pay your rent right yeah, right. yeah. and and uh you know i used to throw i used to be like the go-to dj for some really cool promoters in downtown and um and i got to do plenty of plenty of plenty of cool stuff but nothing that was ever like my own mm -hmm. uh and then what there were was, like early days promoters who put you on uh be like there was like so many different little sub scenes there right like, yeah of course yeah i used to do this one of, the, one of the first parties i ever got uh was sort of like a new york city high school kids party <laughs> Yo, I was like, probably one of those kids. I I'm yeah, 35, like, so. <laughs> I mean, we used to go, when I was in high school, we used to go to parties and everyone that was there was just like, you just saw all the kids from all the different high schools. Yeah. Um, I remember we had no ID parties. That was one thing that promoters used to organize. <laughs> right. They'd probably be earlier or something in the, in the night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I used to do 
So then I, so I started, I, I used to work for people who like, you, they don't have like names as promoters, but they, they were all like people I knew just from being around being yeah. downtown. And oh no, I, I'm just at maybe I, yeah, know, I was a few um, years behind you, but I could have been at some of them. I don't know. I'm just, sure, that's why sure. I'm asking. Just yeah. yeah. Um, so like the first big thing I used to do was this was two Fridays at two Oh five club. Yeah. And, um, I was guy, at that, yeah. This guy, Ben Velez, used to promote that, who was just like a older, a little bit older than me, dude who used to throw lots of parties. And then uh, then I started working in like the... Those were cool nights. Yeah, I mean, every, to be honest, in the, in the late 90s, you know, I used to play at this place, Spoon, that was on Avenue A between uh, Houston and, and Second. And it was, it was like the, the, the original Max Fish. Oh wow! And it was like all the skaters hung out there, and like yeah, it like kind of felt like everyone knew each other. I used to play there on Sundays. There's nothing like particularly legendary about it, or 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 anything, but it was like things were just good, you know. <laughs> like I think it was it was a. Uh, I know exactly what you mean by that. Like I had a Sunday that I'm think that as you say that like it wasn't legendary, like by no means like it's not worth telling stories about it but yo i did it for probably you know year year and a half and it was just really nice every week was dope and it was crowded sometimes it was empty sometimes i always enjoyed myself if they didn't pay me i didn't get too mad you know it was just nice right. <laughs> i think the thing is is that in, the, in, the, in those years i was playing for people my age and older mm -hmm. maybe a year or two younger but mostly my age and older so these are leftovers people from a time when club culture was still very uh its own thing that you know it was still like a a very separate thing from from anything that was being on, played on the radio festivals yeah. like festivals were like oh yeah not even they were rock and roll they were yeah Lollapalooza, exactly. you know yeah, yeah, yeah there were exactly. no djs no yeah and uh and a lot that of was 10 years more 10 more than 10 years away right and and me and and uh and then in the 2000s um somewhere around 2003 4 5 the bottle service era kind of came and um it's really hard to talk articulately for some reason right now <laughs> i don't know dude, um, I, I love this stuff <laughs> um anyway i think a new generation came came in and it was just a, a you know culture goes through goes through uh, shifts and I think for some reason in the 2000s there was a there was a a big shift towards kind of flaunting money and it was it was uh, yeah when Lotus kind of, opened and Marquee and all and Bungalow yeah, 8 and all that exactly shit that. changed oh, things big time yeah exactly and and I was there's a big difference between like APT that was a block away from Lotus and Lotus, yeah. like and, huge and difference. Thing, even Lotus, the clubs that came after Lotus even make Lotus seem amazing. Oh my like, God. No one talks you know, about like Lotus because like, of Marquee. <laughs> yeah, it keep, exactly. And, eight, and uh, home and guest house and shit. Yeah. Like, yeah. And all of this, this, all of this has to do with the socioeconomic changes in Manhattan. Sure. The type of people that, are, that were moving into Manhattan as the economy boomed. Mm -hmm. and then want to go out and they kind of they you know rents get higher the type of people who can afford to pay rent and what they need to do to make the rent they need to cater to shitty people 
that that means bad music gets played yeah the whole idea of what it, why anyone goes out to a club in the first place kind of changes right and the early noah tepperberg jason strauss parties were dope like the underage nights i mean they weren't supposed to be underage but like the nights that i could get in at rehab and shit like yeah. that that was cool they were right. promoting cool parties before they went into this sure yeah it, it was so there was a big shift i was djing all of those places I played a bungalow eight every Saturday night from like the when it opened till almost when it closed. Uh, and it was I didn't fun realize you were a bungalow resident. I was there like every fucking <laughs> night. Yeah, I used to leave my records in the back. Okay. I would, yeah, I was. That's like, fun. I'm sure we hung out at some point. Frankie Chan and I were friends back then. Oh yeah. And he would play there a lot, but I don't know if you and I ever connected back then. But I was there all the time. It w- it started out as a really fun place, and and I had a, a lot of musical freedom. And I played a little bit differently there than I played at other places. So I would, yeah. leave, I would a lot of times just leave my, you know, four record bags there. And, and uh, That's awesome. Anyway, so back to your original question. As, the, as that era winded down, which inevitably yeah. it would, then there was like new opportunities where people, a new generation of people wanted to go out. A lot of people were uh, probably burnt out on on uh going to clubs that didn't even have dance floors and <laughs> yeah like bungalow wasn't was like yeah, not like really the, a dance club you know no no i remember the the lo- kind of like the lowest point was uh there was this club called greenhouse and oh yeah I, re- I remember i hated greenhouse <laughs> well i they you know so i the, i played greenhouse but i hated it <laughs> yeah they they so i used to do saturdays there okay and i remember they 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 brought me there for like a walkthrough. Like, you know how mm-hmm. people do that? Like we're opening a club. You want to come see it before right. it opens? And, and you just do it. And then, and I remember going there and, and literally the whole place was couches and yeah. banquets and tables. Like, why even, do you want me even here? Some, <laughs> even like the places before that, that were basically dealing with bottle service would still sort of figure out a way to have some kind of area where people could dance. And they were just like, Nope, uh-huh. not going to be any dancing. And that was just, I remember you know, and they used to have a really good party there actually on Sundays that Suzanne Barsh used to do. But I, oh, I, I didn't realize she did. That's cool. Yeah, but I think she used to take the tables away. Nice. Anyway, so the shift happened, and some new places started opening up. Um, and the two places that really I think gave me a, a shot right, right away were uh, were not in Brooklyn, were at Submersor and Lemaine. Submersor and Lebane were kind of, you know, Submersor had been around for a while, but it was, it would, it would close and then reopen. And it was it, always it cool. It was always it like was booking cool, cool I people. If they now, it would be amazing. Yeah. I feel like they should. Uh, I was, and I, I always, it would just it. be the kind of spot that you wouldn't go to regularly, but like randomly, it would have like one of those invites that was just like, holy, sh-, you know, damn, that's a cool yeah. party. Like, they still do stuff like that. Like, Madonna yeah. recently her uh, after party there cool so it's just sitting there like it still could be used nice um and the if you're listening to this you know what that is yeah, yeah when the band first opened it was kind of a, a that was next magic oh my god yeah. those that yeah. year or whatever it was holy yeah, fuck cool. that was so much fun every night i tried to go as much as i as i possibly could i think yeah. ian bradley and simonez we're doing the door or something like that was so much fun back then. 
in the pool every night now it's different but it's still there's still really fun nights but but now it's like tourists most of the time you know but it's still fun it's still great music great club just different crowd it's not like you go there and you see everyone that you know and we're all swimming naked and like it's not like that level anymore but it's still dope yeah but those two places the the people that were doing the bookings uh they both gave I had a monthly at Summerser and then a weekly at LeMain. Saturday nights at LeMain, which was kind of like Amazing. a fucking thing. I so, was at a bunch of those. Yeah, so that so that gave me a little bit of an opportunity to finally uh and I should mention it wasn't just me, it was me and my friends. Uh uh but it, it gave us the chance to kind of be like, oh, we can actually kind of decide what music we play and yeah and like bring people to see us and not just be the like higher, you know, hired hand. And uh, that was something that like, I feel like I never assumed I was gonna ever get to do. You know, um, I, was, I was fine with being a working DJ and, and kind of like. So you had been, kind of, that's what, six, six seven years in? Of like, my career? Yeah, like how many years had you been playing before? So this moment for you that, no, oh, I can kind of make the night. Sorry? Yeah, this is like 2010. So that I had already Oh, so this is like. For like 12 years. Yeah. In the, in the city. Because yeah. I remember, so I did, when you would do, you and, and Suzanne, so I did Tuesdays at Boom Boom Room when Suzanne would do Tuesdays in LeBain. Oh, and, yeah. you know, that was like, I had that moment, a li- probably, I don't know, a year or two after you, where like, they kind of they let me do my thing they let me like curate the night and like of course i couldn't go play death metal or whatever like you know camille would come over and kill me but like and if courtney love showed up or you know whoever showed up or andre showed up like i had to do the the playlist you know but most of the time they let me invite other people they let me open the door more it didn't have to be all celebrities and they let me play as long as the room felt right you know like i started playing the weekend like that early mixtape, I started like dropping R&B jams in the middle of peak hour and like, they let me do that. And that was super cool. Right. But I didn't have, yeah, it took a while it, like to, I had to play for, people probably don't understand, you know, like what it is to be, like they think DJs are all just like being creative constantly. Like often we're treated like you know you're working for a manager who's telling you what to play and they'll like like straight up strategic group flashes a flashlight in your face if you're not playing what they want you to and if you don't like cut it sorry what are their clubs again avenue marquee uh you know those uh whatever i don't remember what the rest are called they're they change the names you know like lavo Uh, I don't play for them. They're like, I know them from back in the day and like, I'll go out with, like, I refuse to play for those reasons. You know, I'm just like, yo, I keep your money. I don't want this for my life. But yeah. So like I experienced and and you experienced, you know, some, not not quite that level, but like, you know, you gotta like greenhouse, like you gotta play what they want, you know? Yeah. And then LeBain kind of let you do your thing. That's amazing. Yeah, well, they 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 decided, I guess, right away that they weren't going to follow the you know the the uh, kind of generic musical path that all these other places followed, and 
Yeah. And you know, and the thing is, they're still here 10 years later. So that's, it's one of the only places I go to dance in New York at this point. Like there's very few spots that I'll go to dance, especially in Manhattan. Right. Right. Yeah. Where do people dance in Manhattan at this point? Um, (laughs) I mean, I feel personally like there's always a million things that I don't know about. Yeah, of course. Well, that's why I'm asking you, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know I probably know about, 50 to 60% of like what's going on on a, on a Friday or Saturday night, but which is incredible, which is true and <laughs> which is wild to know that much, you know? <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, there's I probably know 5%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, there's nothing left really. You know, I mean, I do parties for lady fag and she does stuff in, in Manhattan, but it's, they're not parties that are done at clubs that are otherwise, have anything it's going just on. that yeah it's just that she you know she does we do this party battle him and it's oh yeah exactly. that's near my house right that's, that's not a the one. Club. so yeah. uh for for the rest of the north like fridays and saturdays it's a k-pop club yeah wow and uh and it's a it's a great venue and yeah. then she just does her party there and then she does this bar also on houston between um a and b that I think otherwise is just kind of like a dive bar. It, it okay. used to be, it's been different things before. It's a cool place, but like, yeah, it's, it, I don't know where people go. There's a, uh, Kind Regards. Have you been to Kind Regards? It sucks. It sucks? Yeah, dude, I, I've played there. It's my <laughs> friend Thatcher who owes me $600. I don't mind saying this publicly. Uh, you know, whatever. Like, now it's, it's, um, it's like I don't know how to I, I don't know how to give this crowd a like a tag because uh, they're not wasps exactly they're not like the bottle service crowd they're this it's like Acme people who go to Acme people who go to um, what's the place uh, in in Montauk um, this is how like out of it I am right now I've been in Mexico for three months uh, the, the 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 really popular place in Montauk whatever fucking place it is short club. No, uh, whatever place in Montauk. And they go to like Mykonos and they go to South beach. Like they all go, it's all these, it's like the Acme crowd. And they're, they're like all like faux. They, they're like finance people, but they wear t-shirts and they're like, like they, they, they would be at your party because like some girl invited them or something and like, but they don't really know anything that's going on and they don't care. They're just like trying to be in the cool thing. And I'm friends with a lot of them. And I, I like, I talk to them about this and I'm, I'm, I like, I hate it. And that I played kind regards and I was so upset the whole time. Um, And I was just like, I would never do it again. I did it before I moved back to New York when I still lived in LA, when I was just like, I don't Oh, And my girlfriend at the time has a shop across the street. So I was like, Oh, this is cool. And then it was just all these people. And I like, hadn't really become aware of this scene where it's like something in between like the rich kids and the like hipsters. It's not either. It's something else. It's, it's like people who are more rich than, you know, they're, they're like still kind of rich, but they're not like buying bottles, but they're not actually like cool. They're, they're, they like buy VIP wristbands at Coachella every year though. And, <laughs> and they go to Burning Man like now. 
they just started going to Burning Man in the last like five years. And they go to Kind Regards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there was a club called The Dance on um, Lafayette. I heard of this, but I know. Yeah, more. it was only open for like two months. I don't know. Oh, wow. I, okay. But I, I went there to play one party and I loved it. Oh, man. But what I think venue I, was it? Was it like a new venue or was it? Uh, yeah, I couldn't really put a finger on it. Wasn't, it's right across, across from Joe's Pub. Um, but it was perfect. Oh, wow. I loved it. And the crowd was amazing, but. That's like uh, where Indochine is? What happened? Where Indochine is? Like Blue Man Group? Yeah, it's like, I think that was one thing. I think they did have some problems with Blue Man Group. You know what? I think I know the space. I know what you're talking yeah, about. It's down. It's a basement. Down, and then it, the club is in the back. There's a bar in the front Yeah, room. there's a bar and then a club in the back. Vibe, vibey. Yeah, I know the spot. I don't remember what it was, you know, whenever I went there, but I have, I remember a time going there. Yeah. It, was it wasn't one of called the dance. I think I did before uh, quarantine. That's cool. I mean, that sucks that it closed. Those know. are my favorite parties. Like the basement kind of, you know, like my favorite party, I think my favorite like Manhattan residency that I had really ever. It was like my last one, I think, which was Le Baron, which I did for like, I don't know, a year or two. And I did Wednesdays because Wednesdays, like the night, in my opinion, like I have never, I've always used my Fridays and Saturdays to do like, like bigger things. Like I'm going to do a thing that I want other people to come to, but like my residencies, I would always try and do on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Cause it's like, you're not going to get any of the assholes. And uh, yes. Yeah, so that's when I did LeBron and, and you, you came and played a few times and it was, they let me do what I wanted. I killed all the lights. I made it I, like I had control. I had a remote in my hand at all times for the haze machine. I made it crazy smoky. And I, I kept, I had like a BPM. Like I eventually banned JPAT from playing because I didn't let anyone use, like I, I said, you cannot use the high filter and you can't echo because the highs in LeBron echo too much in the room with the, with the tiles and it's, it's piercing and I want lows. I just want it bassy. And, um, and I want it like under, I was like, no one can play under over 120 BPM all night, period. Like, <laughs> I was like, with slow house music and no drops ever, like just horizontal dance music. And, uh, and, and they let me keep it dark. I yeah. only use those red laser lights on the walls. And I smoked, I like used the haze strategically, like mm -hmm. with the, energy of the night i loved that night and that was a little basement i never opened the upstairs yeah. i would let there be a I line outside yeah that basement was great so cool yeah i don't know what what why it didn't go on longer i know a I lot think of it's people a lot money. of people it's like it's not it's it was it was at a point when it, you people already had to make a trip over the bridge that most people were already living in brooklyn right and i think they felt like it was already they had already gotten turned down from the door too many times to risk it or something, I guess. It's, it's true. Yeah. It was a little bit, you know, unfortunate, I guess. Is that still, is door culture still like as prevalent as it used to be? No, I think, I think door culture is kind of over. That's what um, I see. Yeah. You know, which, cause, cause like a lot of the, the venues, well, okay, let's also like, it feels weird to talk about things like if anything's actually happening because <laughs> there's nothing happening and who knows what venues will be around when this ends. But what was going on is that pretty much everybody, the ticket culture has taken over. Yeah. 
Um, which is so much shittier than door culture in my, I, I think so too. Uh, <laughs> like I, I didn't love door culture, but I'll take door culture any day of the week over ticket culture. With people though. Yeah. Cause I, I wrote something once on Twitter about it sort of saying like, well, it's a know, socialist argument, you know, <laughs> it's a political <laughs> thing. A, a, a socialist would, would be pro tickets. Is that what you're saying or no? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I, mean, I like to a, think of myself as a socialist, so I don't know where that's I stand. What I'm saying, there. like a lot but of I, my political leanings would go toward ticket culture. I would say I'm not. I'm, I I don't think I, I don't identify any way politically. I just mean like I would kind of invert. I think a lot of my opinions for this, like I would. I think club culture, nightlife culture, needs different things than the rest of the world, and I might. For the music industry at large, I probably have, you know, one voice and then like to throw a good party, like the chemicals necessary, I would probably give a different argument. Right. There's something special about, you know, a scene and how it develops and how people hear about things in a certain order. There's right. a, there's I, a magic yeah. to that. Right. It's not exclusivity. Yeah, I, I like yeah, it's not. I think that's a natural people, order. Yeah, I think that's where people get kind of um, a little bit. You can, you can. It can sound elitist to say, you know, there should be a door policy here, and we need to make sure that such and such people get in, and such and such people don't get in. Yeah. But the the bigger kind of. Uh, goal i think is to protect something yeah so if 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 people feel like they need to go out because there's some sort of safety being provided to them and that gets intruded on by people just because they can buy a ticket right then i think that can be problematic and that's what makes also as a dj i can feel sometimes when i'm playing a night that is consisted solely of t- ticket buyers mm-hmm. sometimes i'm like how did that group people get in here and are they having fun like what are they doing here Why like are it, they here? they're not Man, I, I don't know i think I, you're I, defining what i was trying to say earlier actually <laughs> about those kind regards kids that crowd who goes to whatever that hamptons montauk you know they uh they couldn't so there was the crowd who bought bottles to own the, 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 to bring 20 people. That happened. That was the, you know, capitalist time. These are the people, they're not buying tables. They're not spending $2,000 a night, but they can spend $100 a night, which is way more than most of the people who, you know, are just coming out to dance are spending. So these people found out about Tiki Disco because they read about it in NY Mag or something like that. And they bought tickets eight days in advance, you know? And then they, yeah, like you have to let them in. And, and it's people that you don't know these people, you don't have any connection to these people. And then all of a sudden they're in the room and like you, it's, it's, it's tangible. You feel the energy shifting from these ticket holders yet. Like, what are you going to do? You know, that is huge, huge difference from like Liberone basement where it's like a door person who, you know, I don't even get to tell what to do. I'm DJing and I don't even get to tell him what to do. But then there's a, I think that labor own kind of messed up because yeah. they, they kind of went into it as like, this is going to be the hardest club to get into. And basically you don't stand a chance. Good luck. <laughs> and I don't think that that's necessarily very 
helpful in in creating any kind of i didn't like that either yeah yeah Yeah. so i think i think like uh you have to you know like when you mentioned uh ian and simonez before they were great because they they were there every saturday at Mm labane and they they were our friends and they got to know our people right and week after week after week you know they they knew exactly how to kind of like figure out uh who should who should go up and a lot of that would have, would just sort of be like are you guys here to uh what party are you here for mm-hmm. and, if, and and you know it's if somebody even if we don't know them but they knew the name of our party was night people that's yeah. a that's like a little that just lets them know like okay they care about the, the music and they yeah. care about the, the the djs and and whatever so there's a I big difference but, between someone yeah, but, coming to be at labane on a Saturday night to be at exactly. the top of the standard place and someone coming yeah. to the night people night. Big difference. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So it's tricky. I, I play at House of Yesa once a month and and they do tickets and, and they, they they've done an incredible job at creating a completely singular experience and a a very uh um kind of uh free atmosphere, you know, yeah. in their in their club. And I, but but they do the ticket thing, and sometimes I feel like I, there's people like bros or whatever who I feel like bought tickets because they're like, yo, I heard this place is freaky. Right. Let's go, and then they go and kind of ogle. Yeah. You know, and like that's it, that's not helping know. the room. Yeah. So like, if this was like the '90s, and you just had like a really good bitchy door person, like they wouldn't stand a chance getting it, and no then way. we could carry on. <laughs> So it's but now just, we get tricky. into the economics of it because those people are, I mean, the last, I, I, I took myself out of it in the end of, you know, sometime in 2018, I did like one or two parties in 2019. That was it. Um, I've, I've kind of been like retooling quietly, but the last two big things I did, one of them I did and I, I knew how to market to that crowd of those people, you know, I, I, I got tickets all the way up to, I didn't intend to do this, but it, it sold so fast that I moved tickets all the way up to $150 by the end. And we made a shitload of, I sold a thousand tickets and we did a big, big, big night. And the next one that I did, I tried to flip it and not market to those people, to the kinds of bros that would buy those kinds of tickets. I, put more money into artists and production and stuff and just like only let like com- real community people like be involved. I went from one party did, you know, I think, I think we, we profited like $60,000. It was crazy. Like, and the next one I lost 10 grand because I, neg- I just, I, I neglected in every way possible that crowd. Of, of those kinds of ticket buyer bros. Cause I was, I was at the party and I was looking around and the only thing that rubbed me the wrong way that night was these, there were a bunch of guys. It wasn't the dominant part of the night, but there were a bunch of them and they were just like, they were dicks, you know? And they were just, you could see them from a mile away and they were touching in the wrong way and they were talking too loud and they weren't, you know, they just were sucking energy out. But my party made a shitload of money thanks to them. And the next time I said, no, fuck them. I'm not going to do it. And I lost $10,000. And that was when there was no coronavirus. 
(laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how someone makes real money. Striking coronavirus, just talking about the culture. I don't know how you make real money on a club, you know, at this point without making it suck. I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows. I, I, know I was talking they... to Michael about it, but we don't know. Michael Weiss. Mike, Michael Weiss is my uncle. I don't know if you knew that from Nervous. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You're a great guy. Nice. Yeah, you guys have done a ton Yeah, of I mean, I know a lot of the club. What's that? No, I just you guys have done a ton of good stuff together. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah he's great. Um, yeah, I don't know. I know that they, a lot of the clubs have gotten like a six-week um, stimulus check or something like that. Oh, really? That's I, good. I don't really know that much about what's going on. Um, but I, I don't think anybody knows. It's so it's so chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. What are your, are you, I mean, you've been doing a bunch of live streams and stuff. So you're like, you're talking to the community or no, or no. Um, I've done a few. I did, I did the, um, the big, the first one I did was I actually, yeah, I did one for Suzanne Barsh who has like a, 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 a weekly Thursday zoom party. Um, I just, I just started like kind of doing, this two two weeks it was probably two a week just a week and a half ago um after kind of I'm feeling turn my light on. Okay. my son is starting to go down so i turned my light on uh, uh sorry so you were saying you started doing uh suzanne barge yeah well, I did one for her um, uh, just about a week and a half ago. And that was the first time I did it. Um, and it was a Zoom party. It wasn't a live stream. It wasn't like me on Instagram or, or whatever, or Twitch. It was a Zoom party. And I thought that was really fun. Uh, it nice. surprised me how fun it was. <laughs> cool. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I saw a lot of people that I know and... and um, Everybody just seemed like really happy to be there. And yeah. I liked the layout because I wasn't like the focus of anyone's attention. Oh, so was, you were like one of the it was literally boxes and so what uh-huh. they did was they had like they had the screen arranged so that there's boxes of people on top. Uh-huh. Like just one row and then below the main computer screen would be on one person. Okay. And they would flip the person every 20 seconds and you didn't have oh. the option of, you didn't have the option of looking <laughs> at it like like in the brady bunch way like you didn't have uh-huh. the option of making all of you just they controlled it i don't know how they did that so it was uh I it reminds me of the misshapes book that that those portraits they used to take I don't right. know if you ever saw it, but like they had this iconic yeah, yeah. book yeah, yeah. like like speaking of ian bradley he's all over that book it's a great book. Just like it makes me Don Hills that era. I loved that. That was like one of my first partying like times. Um, anyway, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, though it was really cool. I liked it a lot. Um, and then I did this big thing for for Bam. They had like their gala. Oh yeah, I saw that. That's amazing. So I did yeah. that, and that was even 
like maybe even more fun than the Suzanne. That's like a special thing. That's not like, yo, I'm going to go live tonight on Twitch at this time. Tune in. You know, that's like a major thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's different. And it was the same layout, same layout, like them switching every 10 seconds to a different person. But that was really cool because it was like little kids and. Oh wow! Even my mom, my mom popped up, popped up on the screen at one point. <laughs> nice. um, that was that felt really cool, and so I've just done those two things. Um, I did like a pre-recorded set for Rinse FM. Okay. Um, and a pre-recorded set for for a, a small place called Jupiter Disco, um, yeah. in Brooklyn. But uh, great place. Yeah, so I'm gonna do another one this weekend for House of Yes. That'll be a live Zoom party. So I kind of cool. like the Zoom parties. That's like that's that's what I like. I don't really think when see when in here. when's your just so that for listeners when when's the House of Yes the, the House of Yes thing? Yes, this Saturday. I don't know what the date is. Uh, whatever Saturday night, whatever fucking year it is. Saturday. Right the, uh, <laughs> what what's today? The 18th. I have no idea. Saturday it's, the twenty third. I've been telling people it's October. I have no idea, but. <laughs> Yeah, I think the live stream yeah. thing, I've like been, you're an exception. And it's like why I, you know, you like you were like, you're having a hard time articulating this stuff. And I'm like listening intently because to me, you have, you know, you're like a documentarian of all of this. All these, all these times that you're talking about, you are a primary source, like in a very special way. You have uh, like Bungalow 8, for example, like that's an era that, you know, I love hearing stories about. I love talking about, but like, there's a lot of people that will talk a lot of junk about it. And, you know, you have really, really valuable uh, perspective. So um, same thing with just straight up, like being a DJ, Uh, you know, I I know you're going to be like all whatever, but like, you're like a probably the you know new york city like you represent new york city dance music i i I would say if i if i had to name like who's the dj who's like the resident dj for new york city today and for a while it's you so i i feel that and you have to live stream for that reason like you're the guy who should be doing band and obviously has yes that's easy but like you are supposed to do it. I have, I'm, I'm doing the same thing with Justin Strauss tomorrow. Justin Strauss should be doing it. But like, I don't give a shit about, you know, my buddy, whoever, you know, I'm not going to like talk shit about any DJs, like not going to name names, obviously. But like most other DJs, like I don't give a shit about seeing them live stream. I don't really give a shit about anyone live streaming who's not like, like you're making, you know, you're doing it with people. It's organized. It's like for something, you know, but when it's just like, Hey, I'm going to go live. If you want to just do it, like to play live, like fine, you know, cause that's cause someone loves DJing and like, you just want to spend your time doing that and whoever, but like this kind of idea that it's a, it's a, it's a, that we have to support that that it's like going on the scene and the culture that like they have to support DJs live streaming or something like that. Like I, I don't fuck with that. I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not down. And I've gotten in a few, not like fights, but just like people who are defending that position against, you know, and I'm like, cause my position is really like a stupid position in many ways. Cause it's like, who am I fighting against? You know, like what am I fighting against? Like I want DJs to make money of course, 
But I guess what I'm fighting for is like quality and attention and focus and good art. And I believe that the way forward is cooperation and coordination. We have to organize and we have to collaborate, not just like a DJ with another DJ to make a party, but like multiple media, you know, filmmakers and venue owners. And like, we have to really, really focus on like what is essential to move forward. And I, you know, I see these things where people are using their ability to get people's attention. Like getting people's attention is so precious. And I learned that as a DJ, you know, like, cause when you play a bad night, I've, I've seen you talk about this, you know, like you've played thousands of parties and if you do one and it sucks and you go back to your hotel room, like you, you suck. Like your energy is just like depleted. And I, you know, I, I quite question my entire existence that evening. <laughs> I go through the whole cycle and it makes me yeah. respect so blisteringly like people's attention and love and connection and that I am playing music for them. And it's so important. Like DJing is so important. And if we reduce it, to this thing where it's like, yeah, I'm going to go on Twitch right now. And, and it's, it's like, it just, it leads us further down the, the rabbit hole of tickets and stuff like that, you know, and these mediocre crowds. And like, I got, I think you had a lot more good years than I did. I only had a couple good years. Like by the time I could get people to come out for me to the time that it started to suck and I decided to go start a label and move on, you know, kind of move out of like just being a DJ in my life. Um, I only had a couple of years, I would say. It was like a year or two of like, yo, like every night was dope and I could just come up with an idea and make it awesome. And I cherish that so much. Like I, that, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like making a, a room vibe and being a part of it. And I don't know, so, so I guess I react like when, when I see people diluting it for the, for, for nothing, right. right? it sucks. I don't I want that. Yeah. I think everybody's just lost a yeah. little bit. And people, DJs are, are used to having this, uh, sometimes it doesn't always feel like it, but I think once, once it gets taken away, you realize that you're, you're going out a few a few nights a week and you're connecting with people and and even if you're not actually talking to them or dancing with them or having dinner with them you're connecting with them through playing your music 100% and so i think a lot of people it gets taken away and are and, and a lot of people immediately feel a, a hole in their in their life and yes I don't know the the technology is so it's so easy now to just be like all right well I, I'm dying to connect with people and I and I want to make sure everybody also there's this other part of it that where I think people are scared and they want to feel they want to make sure people remember who they are and yeah relevant um they relevant but yeah um so I think everybody's just kind of fumbling around trying to figure out what to do with themselves and then and then at the same time like i said before i was quite surprised once i did do it 
how connected I did feel to people and how happy it seemed to make people. So then there's that aspect. And I guess that can become just like it's addictive when you're, when you're a DJ in, in real, in, in the real world in clubs, it can probably be addictive this way. You know, it's, I, I totally. think what I realized after I did the, the two events that I did on zoom was like, I need to stop comparing this to nightclub DJ. Oh no, it's to, a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. I need to look at this as a, a new, a different way of, uh, of, um, using whatever it is that I'm good at doing to, uh, yeah, just having you thought critically way. about that since critically, like, like creatively. Yeah, critically, I, I like. Think that, well, my, my initial issue with, uh, live stream stream streaming was sort of tied into my feelings about kind of just boiler room culture in general, uh -huh. which is, I just haven't really, I don't, I don't, and the, I'm not criticizing Boiler Room at all. And I've watched a lot of Boiler Room. Well, when Room, I say, when I say critically, I don't mean um, like negatively. I mean uh, constructively, you could say. Have, like, no, no, like, I know. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. I, I wasn't necessarily going to say anything negative. Yeah. I've just, I've always sort of felt a little bit of a resistance to the DJ as a um, center of attention thing. And uh, it's sort of, but I think Boiler Room kind of kickstarted the uh, the whole kind of like DJs on the TV scenario, right? And then Mix yeah. Mag does stuff and DJ Mag does stuff. And um, I've always felt a little bit of a, 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 a resistance. Right you lost me? No, no, I'm right. I'm writing a note right now, like a creative note. I'm 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 thinking of things oh, okay. as you're talking. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like it's, it's, I don't necessarily think these things are like the worst thing that's ever happened, but I wouldn't necessarily say they've done a great service for keep kind of like maintaining the idea of like the dance floor being like a yeah like how do we make that like i don't like watching boiler room videos or mix mag lab yeah. or whatever like i don't even like being at them i've been at a bunch of them and they're super boring all love and respect to those companies those are full of stat th those staff yeah, i mean you like can put it on a boiler room set and then put it on your on a good speaker and go do something and listen to the mix yeah you know and that that's that's well and good that's fine and, yeah yeah, I, I don't How do know. we make the DJ know. live stream more interesting? Is there a way? <laughs> I think Zoom parties. That's that's sort of okay. Way. Okay, cool. Yeah, because I really I enjoyed them and and like uh you know like I said before like my mom watched it and she was like I feel like she finally understands what I do because she, oh, wow. she she was Did really she come out before. Back. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> my parents my came out a few times. Not yeah. my mom, but uh yeah, she was just like. She was like, wow, I, she was really impressed. And wow. she felt, especially, so cool. it's a, it sounds like a cliche, but especially in, right now with what's going on. To have that extra To have that kind of like outlet. She, she noticed it. She was like, it looked like people really needed, really needed that. Yeah. And so, and I was, and I try to, I've tried to tell her before about what I do. And it's like, people really need that every weekend. Uh, every night. You know, in yeah. normal life. So, yeah. Yeah, this is just a, a heightened level of sort of version of, of normal, normal. You know, the reason why people like me and and uh, other people who are in nightlife for a really long time, you know, are 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 
in it and not, and don't leave, you know? Yeah. It's not like, oh yeah, I used to party when I was in my early twenties, you know, and then I grew up and got married and, you know, it's like, yeah. it's something different. So yeah. So, so I don't know. I, I, I think that's what I would, what's that? No, go ahead, go ahead. And then I have, a, and then I have a question. No, I was just going to sort of summarize it and just say that I think, I think it's sort of like people have these needs and mm -hmm. DJs have them. And, and, and I think if they feel connected to people by going on their Instagram and playing music, then it's fine. You know, I don't know. <laughs> um, Why do you know how to connect with people? What's your ability to connect to people? Why do you know that? Uh, I don't know. I, don't know. I think I was just always like such a a music fanatic and I really was like um, so obsessed with like every genre of music. Mm -hmm. In the 80s when I was a kid, I was like really obsessed with hip hop and synth pop and uh, um, club music. Like, I don't know, I used to call club music like um, like stuff from like the Arthur Baker type of stuff and Jelly Bean stuff, you know? And um, Mike just put out an Arthur like, Baker on Friday. Oh, oh, really? Cool. A new one, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like uh, I was obsessed with like everything from like from uh, Madonna to Public Enemy to Metallica to you know alternative music, you know, and 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 like, and I think that through that I sort of by the time by the time I was um, playing in clubs, I felt like I was pretty good at at kind of um, figuring out who was in the room, what what would they respond to the best, how to, and then and then the other thing was always like the timing, mm -hmm. planning out like, okay, I can tell this crowd's gonna really go crazy to this song, but when exactly should I do that? Yeah. You know, and, and how should I do it? What, at I what point in it? your life did that occur to you, that you had a bomb to drop at some point? And when, and when in my life did I, did I, did it occur to me that I could do this? You mean? That, that when you played this track, the crowd was going to oh, go off. Yeah. Cause, oh yeah. Cause not every DJ, it, it, there's a, there's a moment, you know, or a time or a period. Yeah. You don't realize. Yeah. Okay. I have two moments that I really think about a lot that, that were both cause before I started playing professionally downtown and I was playing in college for four years, like uh -huh. I started DJing in the summer. Where did you go to college? SUNY Purchase. And what, what neighborhood were you were you from before? Uh, Manhattan, uptown. Okay. Upper West Side. Oh, I'm a so, sidekick. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> I didn't realize that. Wow. I almost went to Sydney Purchase also. Oh, cool. Eric Heimbold, guy I interned for on film sets. He went to Sydney Purchase and he was... I, I went to film school. Yeah, they have, a, they have like a prestigious film school. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was looking at SUNY Purchase and mm -hmm. he was going to be my recommendation. Anyway, okay, so... Yeah. You were in college. So I, I started DJing the summer of '93, and then I was a freshman there in, nine, in the fall of '93. So, so I started playing like house parties there, kind of like right from maybe not immediately when I got there because I was still pretty bad. But at this, also, it's like college; it doesn't matter if you're bad. And there's not that many <laughs> DJs around. Sure, so yeah. Although there was actually like you know a good amount of DJs. DJing wasn't cool yet. It was only like '93. Yeah. Like it wasn't like I didn't know any other DJs till I, till I got to purchase, yeah. you know? So I did this one party once, um, 
we used to do these, these parties and these like it was called the old which basically was like these really shitty poorly made houses that once you had uh maybe spent a year in the dorms you you could move on to these houses <laughs> and they were called the old because they were old houses and uh i had um i got pulled in that's what you, i don't know it's whatever this is boring but Anyway, we used to, every weekend, we would move all the furniture into one of the bedrooms, set up the turntables in the kitchen, and get alcohol and whatever, and, like, and it would go go off. I mean, yeah. these parties were, like, I still think they're some of the best parties I've ever done. Like, yeah. Any, compared to, I can compare it to anything. I mean, there's nothing like the energy of, of young people. So yeah, I get that's... That. Yeah. But I remember this one party, and um, it was when um, Liquid Swords by the Genius had just come out. And I went down. It was I like, just saw him at Blue Note, by the way, right before COVID. That's funny. Oh, cool. He did Liquid so Swords. I had, gone, I had gone downtown. I, I used to take the Metro North into the city on Friday afternoons mm-hmm. to go to Rock and Soul and Vinyl Mania to get all the records that I knew I would need. Rock and Soul. For... Yeah, you're frozen. I'm frozen. You there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I would go in to the city on Fridays to get records. I know I would. I knew I would need for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And, per, and everybody that I would do parties for was really tuned in to like, like, you weren't. You're still in New York State, so we could still listen to Hot 97 and all the college right. radio and stuff. So, liquid so they could be cool like parties. You didn't have to play top forty. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> and also, like, like I like I was saying before, this was still at a time when like the popular records were good. You know, like Tribe Called Quest was right. popular and good. Yeah. And, you know, I would play a lot of like um, really good dance hall reggae and um, and then like, you know, all the like early 80s disco music and stuff. So anyway, I, uh, I just remember bringing like I had Liquid Swords on a 12 inch and it was like the song. And, yeah. and everybody was like, when are you, you going to play Liquid Swords? Right? <laughs> and I, I just remember being like, I got to play this at the exact right moment. Right. And this song is so weird because it fades in. How am I going to mix it? Uh. It, it? So it's like, it starts out with this fade in and Rizzo's just talking. Yeah. And then Jizzer comes in and there's no, like he just starts. So yeah. I remember thinking to myself, like, what's, how am I going to do this? Like, how am I going to, I wasn't like good enough yet, I guess to like, I don't know. I just remember like really planning this out, this moment. <laughs> and then I remember like I did something where I like, I brought the volume down so that everybody could sing a lyric. Oh yeah. And then, and then instead of bringing the song back, whatever the song was that I was playing, I don't remember that. Instead of bringing it back, I just faded in liquid swords from Great. the beginning. So it was like that thing where I was like, I just manipulated this whole crowd into thinking song they were singing along to was going to come back in Uh but instead i brought in this new song that everybody's been waiting to hear all night it was a bomb and it was fucking crazy and like the floor started shaking (laughs) and i was in the kitchen so i had to stick my head out like i did the mix and i stuck my head out i was like oh my god (laughs) so that was one moment where i was like the the power that i had it like really dawned on me you know yeah and uh yeah, and then um, there was another moment which, which was also at SUNY Purchase, which was um completely different because I was like mostly DJing hip hip hop parties, 
And, but they had a really, also they have a prestigious uh, film department, but also a prestigious dance department. And uh, in 97, when uh, I was graduating, this girl asked me if I would DJ the dance department's uh, like rap, like, you know, end of the year party, graduation cool. party. Yeah, yeah. So they had a party and they, and they were like, it was like girls and like some gay guys, basically. Like none of the like hip hop kids. Yeah, and none, none of, the, of your like, regular crowd. Like, it was a completely different, what's that? None of your regular, yeah. Yeah, just like a different crowd. And, and they were like, we wanna hear, you know, Madonna and Donna Summer and stuff like that. And I was so excited because <laughs> I wanted to play all that kind of stuff all the time. And I just remember that night really well, like dropping like, just dropping like dance music pretty much all night and and the way they the way they responded to everything made me feel very empowered because i was i felt like they were going to be a tough crowd to please because they were actually dancers right but i did a great job and then i also remember just feeling kind of like that was like that felt even more fun than the hip-hop parties like i kind of I think I, I had decided kind of around them that I was more into playing dance music, you know? That's funny. That was one I was like, gonna yeah, ask, so those two nights, yeah. I guess. I was going to ask, like, when did you decide? When did you have your, because I know my moment. Like, when did you decide that I'm not going to, you know, hip hop's cool, but I'm a dance music DJ. And and I guess you just answered that. <laughs> uh, it was that, but it was also that I, I, I didn't really like, cause I still, I still played hip hop for like years and years later because yeah. I was, I wasn't fully in control of what I got to do. But I think I just also just kind of fell out of love with um, the music itself in the, mm-hmm. in the like early 2000s. So it wasn't necessarily that I was like, I love dance music more. I, I, I really like hip hop now, actually. In the last like, the last five, six, seven years, but it was like that the from the early 2000s up to like the early two, whatever what is it you call it the early 10s right, i felt like yes. everything got really stagnant yeah besides like kanye yeah <laughs> so um so that's why that has a lot to do with it also i just didn't really like any of the music that i that i was playing um but i was always buying house records like you know i used to go with babito to uh eight ball and vinyl mania we would buy we were like buying house records like as much as we were buying hip-hop yeah you know maybe even more mm-hmm. and uh and i used to play smaller places where i was playing dance music and and stuff i was kind of doing both at the same time you know right yeah yeah i remember uh did you know dan uh digits from i think he was like he was like a dj with rocksteady crew he was the guy that like made me i was playing hip-hop because i i thought i was a scratch dj for a while like because i thought that was cool and that's how i learned to dj was like turntablism and merge and people like that were teaching me and when i would play out i would like i kind of did 50 50 because i was exposed to house music through my family and through really everyone else but all of my friends were were hip-hop kids um and then i was I was blending records the way that you would house music, but on like hip hop and rock, you know, and like I was playing, you know, that sound for like, that would have been, you know, um, 
And then Dan was watching me play one time. He was like standing behind me and he was like seeing the way I'm using uh, EQ and not touching the records. And he's like, yo, why aren't you, you know, dropping out in on the one, whatever. And I was like, oh no, like uh, another DJ told me not to do that. Like who was Jonathan Peters. And uh, he was like, oh, you're like talking about different kinds of stuff. He's like, try playing this. And I had like some DFA remixes in my Serato and I, played the I played like a blend of those two and I was like oh I get it now this is what I've been looking to do the whole time and I was using like house music mixing techniques on hip-hop for like a year probably and uh oh, right. and then it and then it connected in like an instant and then I was like oh okay and then I think I played like my friend's basement party the week after and I played like the first time I played like a full on disco set. Like this, this was like, you know, when blog house kind of stuff and I was playing that kind of music and uh, mm -hmm. French shit and, and that was it. And I never played hip hop again. I'll play hip hop. Like I'll play like a song, but I, I haven't, I don't think I've played a hip hop mm -hmm. set like in years. I, there was oh, when trap music like first became popular I would do it, I would do it like when I would play big parties, like when we would do big warehouse parties and there'd be like a second room and the second room would be like the trap room. I would do a set and I wouldn't list myself and I would just go and fuck around and play for fun and play like a trap music set. But I like wouldn't tell anyone. <laughs> I would have like my set on the main stage and then I'd go in like the side room and play for an hour and just like play some fucked up trap music shit and not tell anybody I was gonna do it. <laughs> And that was fun. But it wasn't my kind of music. I like house music. Did you play Plant Bar? No, I didn't even know about that place until. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, I know Dom. and Yeah, I know Dom now, yeah, but I was never around. Yeah, for I don't know. I was, what years was that? Early 2000s? Early 2000s, yeah. Yeah, I was at like APT and CLO and stuff. I yeah. I had no yeah. idea. It sounds fun, <laughs> but I didn't know. I had literally no idea about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I like, you know, I knew I met Dom a few years later and I would hear about it through the DFA kind of people and stretch and people like that. And, uh, and then like reading the book, meet me in the bathroom, made me think about yeah, it again. And I, I never realized like how fucking cool Plant Bar was. Like I didn't realize all the people involved in it. And I've always loved Dom without even knowing like, that like it didn't it didn't really come together until i read that book that i was like oh shit he was like way 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 he's yeah. a serious like see like person on the timeline of new york city music culture and, and yeah, he's sure. doing great today which is that. yeah you've put records out on on plant right on the label yeah, yeah. The reason, why I, the reason why I put records out with Plant was more from Stretch, because of Stretch, though, because we're okay. good friends. So I met Dom through Stretch. Got it. Um, I was just like, probably some like rock, rock and roll guy that Stretch knows. Oh, yeah. I don't know how he knows him. <laughs> I think I <laughs> met then, Stretch uh, through my uncle, and then I met Dom, like, just booking him to DJ. Like, there were, there were like, like that's how probably you and I would have played similar nights when I was like doing like disco house, house music kind of sets. And there was just, you know, there's just like the rotation of New York city, like I'll book the headliner. And then it's like, we're booking one of these like 25 locals who just play every single one of them. And Dom was like one of those guys. So I'd play with him all the time. Yeah. But, yeah, but I never knew yeah. then that like, yeah. Sorry, I cut out. Say that again. 
Oh, I was going to say, I was surprised when I read the book how much more he was involved with so many things. Yeah. Because he's pretty humble in real life. So I, Exactly. He, he's not <laughs> one to really like, yeah, he wasn't really one to sort of like brag about any of his, being so close to so many things that became so much bigger yeah. than, than where they started from. Like I remember being yeah. at a James Murphy show with him and like not realizing that like, oh, this is like royalty at the James Murphy show. And I just like, oh, right. I didn't realize, I didn't realize how tight he was at that point. And uh, now I know, right. but I mean, I, thankfully Dom has done a million other things since then to deserve respect. So I was never in question, but yeah, when I read that book, I was like, Oh shit. Like I gotta like, just yeah. say to him, yo dude, I, I've always loved you, but I didn't realize like <laughs> how dope you are. Right, right. It's cool. That place sounds yeah. from the yeah. book. At least it makes it sound like it's the fucking coolest thing ever. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah. what's like, what's your favorite, what's your favorite club? What's your favorite party? Like, over the last however many years? Um, I think, I, the thing is, is that I think because I'm a DJ, it's been really, I've never, I don't feel like I've ever really been a, a real true regular at any party because I'm usually working. Um, so if that's what you mean, or you mean something that I've done, or just okay. anyway. I'm, I'm going to add one more piece of context to the way that you just said it. So I saw your post yeah. earlier this year or whenever it was about House of Yes, and you wrote that it's always been my, this post kind of like threw me for a loop. When you said it's always been my dream to have a residency like this, you sort of, I guess, like evoking Francois K and people like that who had, you know, years long residencies. And it surprised me because I just, I guess, I just thought like, yo, you could have had this at any time over the last few years or 10 years. I don't know. So I guess, um, I don't know. With the question, I was just, you know, not necessarily that you take ownership of a party or something. Like it could even be something that you just were booked to DJ on regularly, but I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess it's a two part question. Like one, like, was there a moment in time that you were a part of? Like for me, like the bang on parties, early days, like those are some of my favorite nights. I just, I'm so, and I didn't put those on. Like I got super involved uh, maybe, you know, six months later or something, but like the early ones I was just booked. I was just thankfully booked to DJ and I amazing yeah. nights. Um, yeah. And then I guess, yeah. you know, the second part of the question is just like, that tone when you wrote that post, I'm just surprised that you haven't been just like handed the reins beforehand. Cause I see you as, as any club would be, you know, just like lucky to hand you the reins. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think my, if I've gained any sort of, um, uh, recognition you know that might be that might have come with like all of the years i've put in mm -hmm. i think it's coincided with this point in time where clubs are really not giving people weekly or, or even monthly uh 
uh, spots. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've been really lucky. I've worked at every club in, in Brooklyn and Manhattan basically. Yeah. But I think the, the, what you're saying about what you're saying, when you look at me, I think is, is sort of become uh, more of a common thought. Uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding conceited because I'm not conceited, but if, if there's some sort of like, you know, um, there's a valued perception to you as a DJ. Yeah, if, if there's been if there's been some sort of <laughs> yeah, whatever. I know you um, don't you don't like people look. Yeah, at I think House whatever. of Yes was just we kind of like saying. one of the yeah. first. Yeah, I think I think that that Labane, like I said, Labane has been. I've been working weekly at Labane since they opened. I'm still there. I play on Wednesdays. Yeah. They've been really, 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 really supportive and. And I think at a, the bigger clubs in Brooklyn, House of Yes was kind of the first to just get, I don't think, I, I could be totally wrong, but I think mm. they're the first club to just give a DJ um, a regular monthly night where they play from open to close. You know, um, Danny Krivitz had his 718 sessions party at different places moving around and stuff. Right. So that, I guess I'm wrong, but that's, that's his party. Like mm. House of Yes hasn't given me Oh yeah, bring Tiki Disco here. You, mm-hmm. you know, every month to month, they're like, "This is House of Yes," and Ellie's DJing. This is the Ellie night, yeah. But they're not really making it the Ellie night, I guess. They're just saying like Ellie's good enough to play. Just he just can play from when we open to when we close. We uh-huh. don't need to have two other DJs, and you don't need to have an international headliner I mean, or, that's or whatever. It's just yeah. like. Yeah, and that's that's what I kind of meant. Like, this is what I want. I mean, okay. I, I've done that for for years at places, but they weren't places that gave me the freedom uh-huh. to play whatever I want. So, anyway, your original question, I yeah, would do you have say a favorite, that, maybe a favorite tiki disco summer or like yeah, a favorite? I, I think one of the best parties that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Easily the first the the first tiki disco of our second summer uh-huh. is probably the best party I've ever done. Wow, was I, that I think Roberta's? about that. It was at Roberta's, yeah. We were we were at Roberta's for um, three summers. Okay. So it was the second one, and it was like it was just like that perfect moment in time. It was like word had gotten around. The first summer was like lots of fun, and but still very hum, like very, uh, you know, the numbers were not incredible. We were probably like the busiest night might've been like 200 people, mm-hmm. but that's okay. It was, it was, it was a, a special time. And it was like the first summer was kind of like friends and family. And then, and then we, we, we were excited for the second summer and, but we didn't, we didn't have no idea what was ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And it was just that like, kind of like a perfect once in a lifetime moment where it was like, it still felt like the first summer, but then, it felt a million times bigger at the same time. But every single person that came to this, to that one that made it feel bigger still felt like they could have been there the first year. They still, right. it still felt very true to the spirit of what it, what it was that we had sort of accomplished. Mm-hmm. And it was really uh, mind blowing it was like, it was like basically like, Oh my God, now there's 600 people here Hmm. in in this tiny little backyard. And there was a line, like just having a line was like, Oh my God, there's a fucking line. And 
everybody just it is like- cool like the way that you just just to like reiterate what you just did i just it's fucking awesome when you put something on and because every single time i put something on i don't know if you're the same as me but every time i put something on it's gonna it's a disaster no one's gonna show up no one likes me i don't know what i'm doing i'm not cool i've lost touch with everything no one's gonna show up uh the power's not even gonna work you know the fire department's gonna shut us down and then especially if it's a small thing that all this that you get like a bigger reaction and you walk outside and like oh my god there's people want this like and you see the line outside it's just like yeah i mean it's one fucking of the things great about disco that i don't know if people know this or not but we absolutely 100 percent have no idea what we're doing <laughs> <laughs> like we we would never planned it it wasn't like a plan it's the three of like you that. is the organization or what what happened it's 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 you andy and lloyd is like the trust of it it's just like literally like lloyd andy was a bartender at roberta's uh-huh. and he messaged me and lloyd on facebook and was like do you guys want to dj at this place uh in in bushwick they have an outdoor area and we were like okay and we just went yeah that's it that's the story of tiki and, disco. You, and you called it tiki disco and that was <laughs> he, that was andy pry i i only found out what tiki means like a couple of weeks ago or <laughs> i have no idea what the fuck that means <laughs> not to put make anyway yeah I, not, I it's hilarious yeah um that was the story and we and we like uh we did it and the first one was super fun and lloyd and i were kind of like can we do it every other sunday yeah and he was like, okay, and we just did it. And then that's why that second season, and the first season, I should also mention, we got paid with pizza and, and margaritas. <laughs> like, when not a penny was made. Yeah. And, and then the second summer, um, you know, we were like, all right, we'll do it again. It was so fun. And then that's when, that was just like... Became a thing. So, but but the, what made that party so magical is not only uh, attributed, attributable to the number, the growth, and, and it was just also like, I just remember like every song we played. I remember we, we brought out sparklers. Yeah. So at the end of the night, everybody was dancing with sparklers under a tent, which I guess is a pretty bad fire hazard. <laughs> but that whole party was always like a fire hazard because like plugs would be like sparkling and it would rain and no one would leave. and. It was disaster, but it was. I do remember was- like the bar and the DJ booth basically like being sort of the same and like not knowing if I was like totally. it, it behind yeah. the bar or standing in front or like waiting for a drink or if I was like in the DJ booth. I remember like finding myself in places yeah. that I'm not supposed it's to be awesome. and really innocently not meaning to. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, and our records would skip all day all night all night, all night and the speakers would go out and people would fall on top of it was fine and we were fine yeah whatever it. it's a good party yeah so so that party was yeah that was that one night i, I feel like I, I don't we've had amazing parties but that one was like you know just perfect it's so. awesome yeah all right well yo i think that's an that's a note i think and this is like i love doing this i love examining like culture people over over all these years you know you and i are are the rare you know we we have decades of you know we grew up in it 
saw it from older kids and then became those older kids. And, you know, examining all this stuff is so interesting to me and so much fun. And especially when uh, it's from a perspective of someone who's done so much with it. So I, you know, I, I love and appreciate all of your, you know, you and I, like we've, we've intersected over the years, but like never really been close, but I've always from afar, just like known what you do for our city and I appreciate it. You know what? Wait, I have an anecdote for you. This is funny. And I got in trouble for this. Um, You showed up one night at, I'm not going to give any, any names because, because I don't want to know negative, but you came and you just like had a USB. You showed up to LeBron one night with maybe with Luca or something like that. And it was like, it was a great night. It was, it was packed and you showed up and you were like, yeah, sure. I'm like down. And, and, and it, without thinking, I just, yeah, of course, like he can play. And before that, there was another DJ who had played a private party beforehand that no one really showed up to and uh-huh. wanted to keep playing. And I didn't let that DJ keep playing. And uh-huh. that because I said we have DJs booked and we have residents and this is just like, we have a format and you know, I don't, you're just not, you're not the DJ who, you know, no, like you can't just play. And also the person was, was really drunk and we got in a fight about it. And then like an hour later you show up and without thinking, I'm just like, yeah, cool. Ellie can play. And that person got (laughs) very, very angry with me and accused me of any number of reasons for doing this. And, and, my defense was basically that's Ali Escobar. He can always take over the decks whenever I'm playing. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, so that, that was how I, that was, that would have been, you know, whatever that was like five, six years ago. And that's always how I've thought of you is like, this yeah. is like, like I have a New York city Wednesday residency, but like you're my elder and my like above, like I only have it cause you put it there. And I've always thought of like, yeah, it's, it's a scene that's cultivated by, you know, people pass it and people keep the heat and you've always, you're, you're, you know, but like, I think of Justin Strauss that way. And, you know, Justin's a person that I get to play music because Justin did before me and continues to. And like, anytime, like I just bow down to Justin, what he, you know, the fucking Ritz, like, you know, and man, I just, I think this is just like holiest of holies to me. You know, I grew up like, like, you know, my uncle and my grandfather with disco records, uh, I just, I love this shit so much and I appreciate, you know, you holding it down and Tiki Disco is a, is a, is a nationwide known brand, even if you don't give a shit what Tiki is, but like, that's cause of you and Lloyd and that's fucking cool. And like, right, right, right. that's New York city. And there's not a lot of like parties coming out of Bushwick that people all over the country know the name and that's fucking great. And, uh, yeah, dude. love what you do and um i know that as soon as things open you will be (laughs) the one doing it i hope we have like a reopening like july 4th or whatever day it's going to be yeah i don't know but 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 you have to do it (laughs) (laughs) mike said mike said he wants to do he wants to move his july 4th to my birthday which is august 1st and i said i don't know that's uh ambitious but i don't know what it's going to be but but I hope that you get to do like some really special 
reopening. Oh, by the way, my, I have a name for it. I won't say it on here, but I have a name for it in case, in case we want to organize a reopening. I have the name. So we can talk about that later. <laughs> All right, dude. All right. Thank you so much. Stay Thanks safe. And walk away. Yeah, man. I really, really appreciate it. And I hope to see you whenever I'm back in New York and, uh, yeah, stay safe. Keep the live streams coming. Cheers, brother. Right. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You too.